This is Jesus Garcia, Rod Lane, Nightmare on Elm Street. You're listening to Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Up your nose with a twirling lawnmower, and I mean it. It's Rod Lane, Nightmare on Elm Street. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. (laughs) Just want to thank all our fans and listeners who really appreciate the support. And we have another exciting guest uh, on the show this week. We are thrilled to be joined today by the one and only Jesu Garcia. With over 70 credits to his name, Mr. Garcia is known for his roles in We Were Soldiers, Collateral Damage, Along Came Polly, Predator 2, and of course, Rod in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. In addition to being a producer and director, he is also a very successful writer. Mr. Garcia, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Thank you. So glad to be here. And uh, Monday, is it Monday? Yeah, it's a beautiful Monday after the 4th of not July. Really, I'm just cranky today because I'm not getting to do what I want to do. I didn't, <laughs> couldn't even go to the beach. The beach was so empty. Where are you guys from? We're in Florida, Florida actually. Florida. Oh, Florida. Did you guys get to – I was raised there. Did you get to go to the beach? Oh, we got to, but it's it's pretty shut down. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, corona, Corona's kind of uh, impacted our lives a little too much and kind of dampening the parade a little bit. Mr. Garcia, can you just talk to us a little bit about what got you into acting? Um, I guess when I was little, when I was little, I was in Newark, New Jersey, and I heard Dean Martin uh, sing, and I wanted to. It's really weird, uh, you know, kids. I just wanted to be like a woman and and marry somebody. It was really weird. I guess I hung around too many women, and then I wanted to be Dean Martin so I can get the women. There you go. And then, because when you're little, you don't know, you know, so I wasn't judging myself, but I was like, then I wanted to be Dean Martin. Then I wanted to, then he did all this comedy. So I only heard him sing. Then he did comedy with Jerry Lewis. Then I love Jerry Lewis. Then I wanted to be Jerry Lewis. So I, essentially, I'm a man of no identity then, or a child with no identity. So I wanted to be all these people. And then some, somewhere in my skull, I thought, movie stars never die aha i'll be a movie star stars don't die because i i see them on televisions and and the movies repeat and they look on television the same but they never die then i got a rude awakening when i did become an actor and a bunch of people started to die so then i was like oh okay so we're normal uh and then scott bayo came out you guys remember scott bayo oh yeah absolutely uh scott bayo and matt dylan were my heroes so i just went from one person to another I super wanted to be Matt Damon. He was the young, he was like the guy that killed it. Before him was, God, what was his name? Uh, He was in the, John Travolta was the guy, you know, all the John Travolta movies. And he did the the boy in the plastic bubble, John Travolta. And then, I don't know if you remember a guy called Benson, Bobby Benson, Robbie Benson. 
he did a movie called The Chosen. Anyway, I, I just saw a lot of TV. How I got eventually a part was um, I just went to acting class. I took a chance, met an agent, and I auditioned for Fame, the TV show. Okay. And I got it, thought I was going to be James Dean. <laughs> Didn't work for two years, took an unemployment check, and then the the thing that saved my career, God first, but and and Jesus, amen. Uh, but the ones that saved my career was Wes Craven. So when I went in, I was frustrated. I was going to give it up. And I got the role like right there. And, and then the rest is history, you know. Yeah. But, I, but, but a, a Pepsi commercial gave me the SAG card. I thought I was a, a major star at that point. But I was like just in, in those times, in those days, if you did a national commercial, I mean, they took care of actors in the old days. Now they don't. Now it's, they don't pay anything. Really. But a national commercial, my God, you can live for a couple of years. I got that, got the SAG card, paid for my SAG card, and then I, I scored fame, and that was it. It just, you know. And Johnny gave me the script to Gotcha. Gotcha would be my second film. And if you don't mind me asking, man, you're credited as Nick Corey in most of your movies. Yeah, yeah. Can you was, talk a little bit about the name change? Yeah, I just I was I didn't know you know you know I I, I met different Svengali kind of personal managers. The first guy was like nobody wanted to hire. I, somebody put it in my brain, and I bought into it. The only Latin guy in those days was Ricardo Montalban, if you guys remember him, and that guy was really the only big Latin star with Cesar Romero, but Ricardo Maltabon was, what is it, Wrath, the Wrath? Wrath of Khan, Star Trek. Wrath of Khan, Khan. exactly. Yeah. The dude was a stud, Fantasy Island. I had Jesus Garcia as a name, so this first manager goes, no, you should be Tom Fox. It's like, um, <laughs> F-O-X, Tom Fox, but we're gonna do T-H-O-M, and I was like, cool. I have a couple, I got one residual because I got fame. So I have in SAG and payrolls, they got me as T-H-O-M, Fox. And then I was like, then I did Jesse Garcia. That's, that, that was dumb. And then I met um, Michelle Pfeiffer, Richard Gere, Mel Gibson's agent. He, he hip-pocketed me. It's what you did in the old days. He's the only real, like one of the awesomest agents ever so hip pocket means i take you on the side i make you my apprentice and i send you out i i i pump you up i pump people up about you and you're not even anybody so he used the leverage of all these movie stars to get me in the door and he and he told uh jj harris she's gone now jj harris started shireen thorin whatever what's what's her name the girl from she won monsters Monster, she you know the serial killer, Charlize Theron. Sure, Charlize Theron. JJ made her, but basically oh. JJ, I got a series of auditions, and the one that I scored was oh before I did that I went into his office, the big office. He's a big Italian guy, tough guy, uh, and then he 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 put people on hold, and he goes, okay, your name is going to be Nick, N I C K. Uh, court with an eye at the end. You're going to be Italian. Nobody hires Jesus Garcia. 
that's it change it and he was he was one of the most powerful agents i followed what he did and my career blew up as an italian but i'm not italian i mean i have dna yeah right uh, maybe a third maybe a third or half but i'm cuban spain i did the whole 23 and me so i'm basically everything but i'm not cuban Portuguese, <laughs> spain anyway so there i am andy garcia's coming out of nowhere uh rocky bauer his name is remember uh, scarface he did his real name is steven echeverria so he changed his name to rocky bauer then nice. of course andy garcia's a purist he's like hey come on latinos don't do that so he uh steven fluctuate fluctuated both ways and uh and then i said what the hell so in the lit but sometimes in the 90s i went jesus garcia instead of jesus you know i always felt weird with that name i got beat up with it you know it's a hard name to live up to yeah so then i was like I'm okay with the Jesus Garcia now, but then I went Jesus Garcia, John Roger, my spiritual teacher did a numerology. So we, we did the Jesus Garcia. And then all of a sudden, but the, the blessing of that, my career died as Nick Corey, essentially. And I went to the same casting directors as Jesus Garcia. And they're like, wow, who are you? Where'd you come <laughs> from? And I, I just, I played the role that they, I, they knew the name and the reputation I had and that can kill you good or bad. Right. And then, so Jesus Garcia was like, who is this young comer? And so I switched around with different agents, managers, and they would sell me as the new guy, not the Nick Corey. So then of course, you know, I quit. I, I mean, I, I retired, took my pension, studied psychology and I do counseling. Now I'm a big coach. I'm a big spiritual coach big right. what do you mean I, I didn't mean to say big sorry i'm big because i'm fat but not necessarily and oh, i'm big i'm a big <laughs> spiritual coach <laughs> so uh and i wrote two books about my teacher john roger called the love of master jesus master but and then i went with my real name with that so nice. essentially the whole the whole arc was to become to be who i am you know which is just my name. Don't try to be Dean Martin. Don't try to be Nick Corey. But that's what Hollywood's about. Hollywood's about finding out who you are eventually and stop playing roles. And you play yourself in those roles. Right. But uh, yeah, it was an incredible time in my life. So, hey, you know, we've had, we've had Robert on the show. We've had Lisa Wilcox. Um, but besides Robert, you know, we really wanted someone from the first nightmare to chat just a little bit about that, you know, iconic first movie a little bit. Um, can you talk a little bit about the audition process for, uh, for Rod and Nightmare on Elm Street with Wes Craven? Um, yeah, Wes Craven. And Wes was married to a woman called Mimi Craven. Mm -hmm. I was almost homeless. You know, whatever. I don't know. I had an apartment. I shared it with this guy, my friend. He ended up becoming a writer. Uh, I think I was renting a couch for $30 a night. No, $30 a month. It was a Formosa. We call it the, it was a Formosa hotel just to give you a landscape. And not a hotel, Formosa apartments. And there's a bunch of actors in it. He that made more money got to have a bigger space in the refrigerator and a room. If you had less money, you got the closet. You know, it was like a walk-in, lay-down closet. And then my buddy had more money than me. 
So I got the $30 a month couch and get the hell up, shower, and leave. Um, I got, I went in, I did it, but just really, you know, the cockiness that I have is just the cover, which matched Rod Lane, just the cover, and I nailed it. And he's like, hey, congratulations, you got the part. Can you stick around? We're going to be auditioning the, the jock. The jock was supposed to be a jock not right not uh johnny depp right. and when johnny came in he just murdered everybody with his sweetness <laughs> and uh and so he got the role then we all hung out johnny was married at the time so we'd all hang out at his house and amanda and heather and we were like we were like really trying to make like the greatest we were trying to make hamlet out of this like Shakespeare's Hamlet out of Wes Craven's Never Know Street. And it, it did a really damn good job because the biggest thing in those days was uh, Friday the 13th. I and mean, we like to see it because everybody got, it had no plot. Everybody's just getting hacked. Sexy people having sex. Right. And people getting hacked. The, the dimensions of Nightmare on Elm Street were psychological. They go right into your psyche. Oh, no, I don't want to go to sleep. Oh, God, I've seen that monster. Right. And so that saved my career. It didn't save my, I didn't even have a career. It uh, started it. it. Right. But nobody knew what they know now. Okay. So uh, Bob Shea was going broke. I don't think we got, I think he held payment until he got a loan. We almost lost the movie. I think his sister bailed him out. I don't know the exact story, but oh, wow. the bailout saved the movie. And then we finished it. And then it's the rest is history, you know, but at the time, you know, Heather was going back doing two, three, four, five, six. And I don't know. I didn't, I, I died and I'm really grateful. I didn't get caught up into the one, two, three, four, five, but it's really West Wes's love for Heather as his heroine. Is that what you call it? The heroine? Right. Like the, that's that's his hero so he was probably the best writer for women and his career blew up and then uh, i used to play racquetball with him i used to i gambled a racquetball game to get uh vampire in brooklyn i was really my career was horrible it was nick Corey then and uh i think it just died i don't know i wasn't the same anymore and i played racquetball and beat him and I got a, an audition to Vampire in Brooklyn. So if you see Vampire in Brooklyn, I'm in it. It's a little tiny scene, but we made the scene. And uh, we worked with Eddie Murphy. And then he hired me again, but I traded my leather jacket. You know, I said, hey, I'll give you the leather jacket of Rod Lane. And that was in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, right? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Which the plot was weird, but it was good. It was, you know, the... The thing, the big deal was to get Wes back in because he created the whole. And what they did is they franchise, franchised without him. It's okay. It allowed other directors to get made because a lot of other directors and, and yeah. actors became stars from that you know, movie. Can you, so, can you talk a little bit about that uh, iconic rotating room and, you know, that first Tina Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's the only thing I remember of the jail cells completely was completely stoned. It was the only one time I did drugs 
I'm clean for 40 years. The only time I did drugs was in that, in that movie, in that scene. And I never, I felt horrible, you know. It's like you're an artist and you just crap all over your art. It's okay. But the rotating scene, I didn't know it because I didn't know much about what they were doing. They were doing real effects. They weren't doing CGI stuff, real stuff. And, you know, like, you know, the, what, the school of Star Wars won. Those guys that did real effects with models and weird shit, like making a tank. I did see the tank and the toilet above the tank so that, you know, that the whole nails go up, you know, the, when she's bathing and his hand goes up. Very erotic. But the rotating is, now that I do know, it comes from the Fred Astaire movie. And everything was glued down. And every, there, there's a clip of a guy getting thrown around, but that's not me. That's a stunt guy in his underwear. So I was like, but, but, but he looks pretty good because he's in shape, you know? Right. But the, basically, when she's doing all that stuff in the bed, she's on the roof floor, and I'm on the ceiling floor. So they, me and Wes are upside down, looking that's down. Crazy. Yeah. cameras here and they have and then I think they spray paint you and then they uh, spray spray your hair down mm -hmm. you know so that when you're like that it's not falling right uh, uh, you know things were nailed down to the T it was a great it was a great idea you know it was like wow it was state of the art cutting edge nobody nobody's really done that there was a there was a um a music video that did something like that, as I recall. But it was incredible experience. We're playing cards down below, and they have the room. You know, when she falls, does she fall to the bed and splash blood, or she falls from the roof down? From the roof down. From the roof down, she falls, splashes into the bed. We're playing. Now, remember, they have gallons of blood uh, all over the bed when she splashes it. By the way, it was a stunt woman. She splashes it. It, it goes through the door because the, the doors were open and hits us on our clothing and face. Oh, nice. And we're like, ugh. So we're <laughs> like, and that was creepy. And then, of course, Robert was the, really the star because he's always, he can talk forever. So he was, he was that we were the young actors. We don't know what the hell. And Robert knew so much. So we were like, sort of like he's, he's the chief of the cave, telling us stories of his victories, including the show Victory, V for Victory. Right. And uh, part of it is the things you learn. I, I, have you interviewed Louis Lewis? No, uh, we have not yet. The makeup guy. No, it would be great you, to have on. Give me your. Uh, I'll give you his connections and everything. Email me, remind me. But he did the makeup for Robert Englund. That's Louis Lazario, right? Or yeah, Louis Louis Lazario. That's right. Okay, that's great. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, we were really all close, but you know, our careers took off. You know, my career took off, and I didn't look back. So then, when I don't know, it was slowing down. I didn't really want to work. I was lazy. Some kids. I forgot. We're like, yo, you want to go to a convention? I was like, what's that? He goes, you can make a lot of money. Just sign it. Nobody has your signature. Because I didn't know 
these cats, I, first of all, I had a big ego, like, oh, bullshit, I'll never do that. And so, <laughs> fuck yeah, I did. And I made a lot of money. So, sorry, sorry for swearing. Uh, no, you're good. You're fine. I'm going to try to lead a clean life. Uh, but uh, I made tons of money. You can make money, and then you can lose money. So I stopped. I lost twice because the big ticket, the, the average person, which the average human being, the working class, comes in maybe with 100. This is my speculatory thing. They come in with like 100 bucks, maybe, and it goes to Robert or Heather. And then, so I don't like doing a show with everybody. I do the shows by myself. So then I retired from the shows and said, look, you want your stuff? Send it to a friend who does the items. And if you want me to sign photos, which I have them laid out in ID, send me $37.50, PayPal, and I'll mail it to you with my own. I'm not going to spend, what happens is the showrunner makes all the money. Um, and I'm not doing any of that. So the big runners like Robert, they cut deals with the showrunner, and I'm not doing any of that. I don't. Uh, if I'm going to go, it, it is a fact. You guys are fans, and we want make we want to make money. That's how it rolls. Right. But we, meaning us, not the vendors. So uh, people like Robert wants to make money. I agree, Heather. Uh, so. I think it's a game changer now with Zoom and everything um, because we want to meet the fans. The best thing is meeting the fans, but how much, how much dough is being taken? You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking a, a cause here. Free the fans, but it's more about, you know, the, these venues, these venues guys that run, they're like gangsters. They run these things. They make a lot of money. And, and you know, and, it, and you get these big stars that pull in the, the fans. Are you guys anybody from Kentucky? Oh no, I had, I did something in, in um, I forgot where I was, but a bunch of guys from Kentucky came. So I really liked meeting fans. Yeah, that's how that's how this whole thing blew up for me. So um, you know, you've had an amazing career and worked with you know legends of this field in many instances, like you know, Long Came Polly. I mean, you absolutely just stole the scene you're in in that movie. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, working with Jennifer Aniston and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ben Stiller in that movie and, and that and your role? Yeah, um, Seymour Hoffman was, I just love Seymour Hoffman. It's so sad that he passed. Right. But, uh, ben Stiller was great, but the, the, you know, that's when I thought I had a, that's when I knew I, I would come back and then I didn't like it. Uh-oh. Uh, but I thought my role was great. I thought working with Ben, the creativity of it, uh, John Hamburg, John Hamburg, used to, uh, Zoolander, he wrote it. Right. So that was the most creative. And then I, I went off to direct and got egotistic and wanted to be like the big guy. But it really helped me see uh, what a director goes through. There's a good... Um, it was a good reflection to see that I was such a pain in the ass uh, as an actor. Hard to deal with. Uh, so then I, I, direct, I, got the, I got the, you know, I got the, the feedback, the revenge. I got other people that were difficult, and I was like, wow, no wonder directors don't hire me. 
<laughs> so, yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta be good in the business. You gotta be nice and do the work and get, you know, there's battles. There's times where you, you fight for certain things, but it's a very egotistic for me. I was, it's a very egotistic thing because by the way, I loved it. But it creates a false um, reality. Everyone's for six months. Everyone's at your beck and call. You know that you get all sorts of assistance. There, there's an element of like there was a T-shirt that this friend printed said it's not love, it's location. <laughs> so you know you don't fall in love in a movie set. You just it's just location love, right? But uh, br- collateral damage with Arnold was so much fun. We were in Mexico. Yeah, I mean it was, was gonna- it was a it was crazy and wild, and I met Jr. my teacher. You know, we created that role, and I made it up on video. I made up so much crap on video. Just when videos were coming in, video right. auditions, I had heard things about uh, Elijah Wood for when he did a wild audition tape for uh, Lord of the Rings and things like that. So I waited. The what was happening is people were getting creative on their video auditions. Yeah. So I was, I had to go to China and I just, I crawled into a construction site. My video was broken and we were doing, it started to strobe. The video camera was strobing. So it was, it was actually broke, but it looked good. It looked like some kind of effect. And I got the role. They, the producers wanted the producers Oh, sorry. The producers were like, yo, you're so crazy. We had to hire you. So then I went crazy just making videos. And then I decided to direct. Um, And then I was like, I guess my friend died in 2014. And it was done. You know, like I didn't want to do anything. 20, the last big movie I did was Elijah, uh, Atlas Shrugged, Ayn Rand. And it was incredible. And then they fired me and they, well, they didn't fire me every, it was a movie that had three parts and they didn't continue my character. They didn't continue me in the three part character. It's like firing Elijah Wood in like the first Lord of the Rings. Right. And so they gave it to every, they gave it to Eastside. Then they fired him for two and they gave it to another guy for three. Wow. And then I was, by that time, they, they're not really taking care of actors. They don't really pay unless you're a blockbuster. So I had all these roles and they're paying you a hundred bucks a day or less or more. Jeez. You know, oh, it's an indie movie, you know, whatever. And then you're thinking you can hit the, um, you're thinking you can get in a TV. I was working a lot on TV. You get a lot of money there. And then you think you can get, you can get somewhere going to an independent festival, but that didn't work. But it was all geared to me getting out. I really didn't, I didn't have my heart in it. And it's a young man's game, really. And, and it's a killer game. Like, you got to have your, you know, metaphorically, you're slitting the throat of all these other actors so that you can get the role. It, it just becomes, because yeah. everybody's got to make a living. Everybody's got to feed their kids. And then you're seeing your best friends. You're going up against your best friends. It's crazy. So I'm like, I'm out. I don't want to do that. It's almost like a poker game and you're taking money from your friends. 
Yeah. I felt bad. It's really weird. I felt bad taking a role from someone that has three kids and needs to make a mortgage. So you have to be a killer like that. And then, cause you have to survive. Right. So, but there's plenty of, you know, there's really plenty with today. It's an oversaturation of streaming movies. Like, you know, you got Netflix, you got Disney. So the content is huge platforms for content, but um, forget about it. Uh, you'll have plenty of Latins to get those roles. And then getting older, you know, my last audition or something like that, I went in and I'm playing like a grandpa. I'm playing like a father or something. And I'm like, I'm out. And that's why I like, I, that's why I'm like, I like playing bad guys or crazy heroes or leaders because they get more attention, but like a good father in the background, nah, it's okay. I'm not doing it. I played some Christmas father thing and I was done. And I, Oh, we had to sue Sad. We had to sue him so Sad can make him pay us. And then I was like, I'm out. Oh, geez. And so then I, uh, I, I, you know, sometimes the limitation of an actor, including myself, is you're led to believe or you believe it that that's the only thing you can do. Oh, my God, I'll die if I don't. So I started to go to school. And I educated myself, you know, I educated my, you know, when you're an actor, actors are the most educated people because when you get a role, a good actor, they research stuff, you know, like I love crazy roles. Like if you're, you know, I don't know if De Niro does any more research because it's all gang stuff that he does. So it's an easy research thing. Let's just look it up. Well, that gang guy, he knew that gang guy. But when you're doing movies of like, I don't know what was the latest thing Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks does like interesting movies where you're you're stretched to learn something, you know. You're you're uh, challenged to learn things that you don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, so for me, Atlas Shrugged, I had to read her book. I don't know if you ever seen Atlas Shrugged. It's huge, and and then I wanted to know more about her philosophy. So then you're really learning about that. Uh, Lost City. I had to learn, uh, read books on the Cuban Revolution um, with Andy Garcia. Tons of stuff, like tons of movies that made me. That's so you. Uh, we were soldiers, so you learn about the Vietnam War. Like you really learn about these people because you're playing them. So then that you get educated. So then after that, I just was like, ah, I'm out. I want to do spiritual psychology. I want to write books. So I wrote books. And, you know, an actor, a producer, I directed, I got three directions and movies with my friend, I co-directed, co-produced. So I had, I really loved the business. I'm a fan and I tried it all. I did Candyman 3, by the way. So that was fun to do. Oh yeah, Jason, you brought up that uh, your book. You're a very accomplished writer. Uh, can you tell us a little about your book, The Dreams of a Master? That's available on Amazon. And and uh, and they're both, Love of Master, Dreams of Master, and then the Genes of Master is on audible.com. I am very much uh, to educate myself. I read books on Audible. I mean, I'm not a reader per se, but I read millions of scripts and I got so tired of reading. So listening, I'm really good at listening. So the book is about the love of masters hanging around with my teacher who taught me a lot about 
the acting world, how to get movies and the lessons you learn. The, the actor, uh, what kills an actor is the rejection. What makes an actor is the overcoming of rejection. And I've overcome it. So, you know, I know that, you know, a woman can tell me, go to hell. I'm like, I love you. Uh, you know, you can turn <laughs> me down. I don't really, it doesn't bother me much, rejection. You can, you know, go across the dance floor, ask that girl for a dance. She goes, go to hell. I'm like, okay, thanks. I, I'll do that. That's what, that's what an actor is built for. It becomes, graduates too. You don't read your own reviews. Uh, you don't care what people say. That's a graduation of an actor. And you just do the work. And, and then when you do that, you graduate, and then you go find other things to do. But the lesson in acting is, and that's what the book's about, is the things I learned in my life. The dreams of master, I like dreaming. So there's a lot of dreams that I help break down uh, based on some of the teachings of John Roger. And I learned, you know, acting, real acting is to find your true self. So I've always been in search of that. Real actors, real good actors are always in search of themselves. They're the most, like, they're the most daring, like, actors are daring, brave, courageous, because they jump to the unknown, <laughs> and sometimes to their death. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, Seymour Hoffman, he went there, and he couldn't handle what he was seeing, you know. That's, that's my point of view. That's why you get taken out. If you're, if you're dabbling in alcohol or substance, you're avoiding a pain, and then you, you're not being your true self. To be your true self, you've got to look like in the Bible, it says you have to have courage to see the face of God, and that's your face and all the ugliness that you are. That's a good actor, an actor that, that sees all his, all his crap and then betrays it really well on the screen. And he reflects it back to us. And I always tell people, don't be mad at Trump because he's, if you study psychology, he's a movie and he's playing it back to you. And what you don't like about him is your problem that you don't like about yourself. And that's a, he's a massive reflector. So that's what movies, that's what acting is about. That's what I'm going deeper, but I write all that stuff in the book. Oh, yes, sir. And, you know, I've noticed, man, you seem to be very passionate about your spiritual counseling that you're doing now. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that? And, you know, you did a cameo for us, and we really appreciated the positivity you put into it. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. oh I love cameo. Thank you for uh, paying my rent. Um, <laughs> no problem, man. <laughs> no, this lock in this lockdown day, you have to get creative. Hey, I'll sell my toenails. Let's put it on eBay. Uh, <laughs> like, literally. I sold my uni I sold my uh, uniform from We Were Soldiers uh, to a collector. You know, I make forty bucks. Yeah, who cares? It's something. Uh, but basically, yeah, a counseling is we sit one on you know one on one. I call in the light, the the energy of the higher being, our eternal one one God, and then I let you talk, and then it's basically the. The way it's broken down in what I experience is there's a high self, a, a conscious self, and a basic self. And they talk. They talk with ideas and pictures while your mouth is talking. And then I'm like, oh, okay, what about this? And basically just reflect back to them 
I like what my teacher says. You're, 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 you're silent enough. You're listening to the other person until you get something that you can tell them back. But it's about listening. And a lot of people, you know, it's funny because a lot of people just want to be heard. That's it. There's no magic formula. And then if you can allow someone to just blah, then they feel great. Oh, my God, I feel great. Here's the money. It all is that you're just listening, really paying attention and reflecting to them. It's something that they can go away from and go, oh, my God, I see that. Oh, yeah. Being, a good, li- being a good listener is a gift, too, man. Like It's a that, gift. Absolutely. That Just being able to listen can just help somebody change their life. Is You can keep your woman a long time if you just listen. <laughs> I'll write that down. I need to know that. <laughs> and put a, put a, my, 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 I, I got a counseling for me and it was like, put a time limit on it, but listen to her. <laughs> well, we got, I got one quick fun question for you before we get out of here, man. Uh, we started asking this when we had a uh, fellow nightmare on Elm street uh, star on the show, Lisa Wilcox. Um, oh yeah. Can, can you just tell us about the weirdest thing that you've ever had to do at a horror convention or the weirdest thing you've ever seen or been asked to do? Oh God, it's so freaky. Um, <laughs> We've heard some good stories. <laughs> the best story is uh, Charlie Fleischer is a good friend of mine. He did Roger Rabbit. Mm. Not, not, not good friend, but he's a lovely man. I've always admired him and he sits next to me and I'm signing. I'm totally Actors are super vulnerable in that state, you know. Here, you know, I made a kind of an analogy, you know, we're like museum, we're heroes and we're museumed. We're like at the Louvre. And you have people that walk by and you're, you're looking at what was and what, what is now. And, and those careers might not be the same anymore and we've aged. So then there's crackpots that come around and they're like, yo, no, there was a guy just up in a clown suit and I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm like, my ego is so like, I'm out of it. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not going to take it serious, but uh, Fleischer was really pissed. He wanted to beat him up but to protect me and my feelings, but the, they, it could be cruel. The, the guy dressed up as a clown goes, Hey, Nick Corey. Ah, so what have you done lately? Ah, you really aged. You know, they're looking at you with the, with the red nose. And Charlie's like, why don't you get out of here before I knock that red nose in your ass? And uh, next to me is like uh, John Saxon. John Saxon's there. You know, it's, it's, you know, it could be really hurting to the ego. I saw the cast of Happy Days. You know, they lost all their money and they were suing Paramount. It's not, it's not a pretty sight. It could be depressing. Like for you, for fans, it's like amazing for an actor. If he doesn't handle his ego, they'll be drinking later. You know, most of these guys drink. I can't stand it. So I pick up, I pick up like all that weird energy of not so much the fans, but the actors that, you know, there was a guy that killed us. You know, the guy from saw Mm -hmm. saw, you know, the actor bell, something bell. See Tobin bell. Yeah. John Kramer. So it's like, it's gladiator. Okay. Imagine it's gladiator forum and it's, and then there is Maximilius and I'm like, Jesus Garcia. And then along comes Robert England and he chops your head off and takes 40,000 on that one gig. 
And then the guy that killed us in this last event was Toby, Toby Bell. Ladies and gentlemen, and we did it around an arena. You know, all the uh, different tiers. Yes, sir. I don't know. I don't know where I was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kansas City, Missouri. And yo, everybody looks gothic. You know, the women are, you know, people dress up their kids, poor kids. They dress them up into weird, freaky shit. <laughs> so the parents, so the parents that are my fans are torturing these poor kids and kind of like getting them, you know, desensitized to like the horror of all these people and what they've done in film. And Toby comes in, Toby kills the entire arena. All the lines are on with him and they never come around to me and Heather. I mean, Heather kills. And then, I mean, I pretty much float away. And then the lady from ET, the mother. Uh, so they, so you can be wiped out in a show. You know, like you spend, they fly you, you know, you spend time, you know, people do come out of their way to kind of be with the fans and then nobody shows, you know, like everybody said a Saturday would be happen. <laughs> it's just dead. So there's a lot of weird stuff. Um, I don't know, Florida, you'll love this one. You know, before that shootout in Florida, Orlando? Remember that? Yes, sir. I did it just before then. And it was like, yo, Jeju, uh, you know, why don't you come out to the pool later? We got a mermaid in the pool. You know, just come out. And just so they got this lady, just, a, you know, this woman, uh, pretty sexy, in a mermaid, floating around with a, a pool light. And, you know, I mean, it's some weird stuff, dude. It's the weirdest thing. And, you know, but it's all fans getting creative. And then eat, with, eat food with your fans. And meet and greet. You get caught up into the meet and greet. You don't even know what the hell you're going to meet. And, uh, it, the, but then you end up loving it because you, you get caught up with just ordinary folks that are your fans in an elevator. And they to they're totally normal and it's totally cool, you know. Then you, you're really humble. When, when the real fans come, you get humble. You're like, wow, these people, and they're like 20 years old. You know, like I'm 56. So it's like their, their mom and dad are my fans. They started. Now the kids are my fans, and now they're kids. So, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street continues on. It's pretty wild. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, you don't look a day over 40, by the way. No, I take care of myself. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, you look very good, man. Thank you. Hey, uh, I just want to tell you, man, I've always kind of wondered, you know, as a guy myself, like, what what would go through my mind if I was laying in bed with my girlfriend and the stuff that happened to Tina happened? I've always wondered. I know I'm really – it's really cool that I get to talk to the man who got to experience that. But I wouldn't know what to do if I was just laying there, then all of a sudden my girlfriend's getting drug up the wall. That's just – it's really been cool to talk to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, she was uh, – Amanda's a sweetheart. Always loved her. But, you know, I was young. I didn't know how to react now. I mean, how do you react when an invisible thing is, like, thrashing your wife? Yeah. That's <laughs> like – but uh, he's the king. You know, the Wes Craven really nailed it with that psychology, you know, being attacked. Um but the, the original script, nobody ever talks about this, that he was a child molester. So they burned his ass. So that's what I thought. I'm like, why is he doing revenge? You were a bad boy. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, you know, the guy, 
you know, Shea really bankrolled it. At New Line Cinema, putting the movies out. I heard, is it true? Kevin Bacon's going to play? Is that true in Facebook? I I've I've saw where Robert England endorsed Kevin Bacon like he like he would like to see him get the role. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but are they Robert, doing it? Are they doing another one? I, I I haven't read anything they're going to do it, but I know Robert said that he would like to see Kevin Bacon get the opportunity. I mean, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Hey man, I just want yeah. to give you a quick shout out. Of you know, you're you're on Jesu, you're on Cameo. So if any fans want to get a shout out from you on Cameo, they can find you there. Please. And you can find Dreams of a Master on Amazon. Is there anything else you'd like to shout out? Maybe uh, projects tell or, uh, me, tell or social me your, media? Tell me, both of your, tell me both of your names again so I got it in my head. Uh, my name is Nico, and the other guy is Brian. Brian, Nico, love you guys. Really thankful to, that you support me and that you're getting creative. And if I can help, let me know. I, I, can, I think I can – you know, you might want to do Charlie Fleischer and, and uh, uh, Louie, Lou. Uh, if you want to and uh, anything I can do I appreciate you shouting out just uh, come see me on cameo and uh, look me up oh yeah definitely man I appreciate your time brother and hey, be Thank safe you, out there you too man and uh, buckle up it might get a little rough now <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't seem like there's any end inside man <laughs> it's a little it doesn't look like it but buckle up hey man you have a good rest of the day brother be safe God bless you guys God bless you too brother and I uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there.